0: Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong.
1: Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining me today. This is one of those occasions where I'm actually doing the show on my own, just with you and with me, and uh, catching up, really, on what's been taking place, and I was shocked to realize that my last show was actually on November the 6th last year, 2013, and obviously a lot has taken place since then to bring us into this present moment. And I've noticed, listening to the shows over the last few weeks, that my voice has seemed uh, somewhat high-pitched and excited, and I'm not sure if that's the internet system or whether it's just me and and the state that I'm in. So I'm actually going to try and just relax down a little bit today and just have a, a little conversation with you about what is taking place and, and, and my perspective on some of the guests who've been on the show, some of the guests that I continue to follow and in their work, because I feel now we're, we're in this time of, of pure authenticity and it's really important to connect with those people who have but are also fully in their integrity and so I'm tending to narrow trends in terms of my reading and connecting to those people that I have absolute trust in all of their work because this this time is all about us follow path and we can take snippets of insight and information from different people but from my perspective really focus in hone in on the messages that are coming from people that I feel and sense when you connect with those people and you have that that they are brothers and sisters this path and so I'm going to mention uh, as we go through today's show and obviously feel free to connect with their work uh, whether it be through uh, a, a, an internet connection whether it be through uh, a YouTube or an e- the connection to my work and to their work please feel free to, to follow up I, I feel none of us uh, really have uh, all the answers and so uh, that is the case. Now, I'm, I'm getting a message from Matt here that I'm breaking up. And so we're going to continue for a moment and just see if we are breaking up or if we've become clear. Uh, and I may need to just take a break and uh, connect through telephone. So we'll see, see how it transpires. And we'll leave it in the hands of Matt to let me know if I need to make the change. So I'll continue on uh, for now and see what takes place. What I've noticed, actually, and it happened uh, on our call (laughs) with Brandy Jackson, our producer, uh, executive producer for the show, uh, when we were doing the interview with Nicholas David Nagan, and he was doing a reading for Brandy. And we reached the point in the – and I know Brandy won't mind me saying this – we, we, we reached the point in the interview uh, where he was talking about the most important, significant energy and resistance that Brandy had to hearing the information that was essential for her transformation. And what happened was, you may or may not know this, but we lost the whole show. Uh, the internet system collapsed. Really quickly, and it didn't didn't ruin the show. But when I was talking to Nicholas about that later, he said that this often happens. That poignant point of recognition of this is the nugget. This needs to open for you to flower and flourish. That the bodily resistance creates this big energy explosion which affects the electronic systems. And so the whole system just shuts down, uh, just like we tend to shut down when we're hearing the truth about what we need to do in our lives. And to that end, later in the show, I'm going to talk about the phenomenal work of Richard Rudd, who has put together a phenomenal piece of work to really help us navigate through these shadow aspects of ourselves to take us to this place. So I'm going to do some name drop. You can shortcut your own journey and just get to the the heart of the matter, the nuggets of truth that lo- reside within you, through the people that I'm going to going to mention and take you on this on this journey. Really, from last November through to uh, the. Co- so, hopefully, our system is now settled, and I can settle in and, and just sit back and and the most significant events of the first three months of this uh, year for was the realization that when we were doing our monthly journeys on our landscape zodiac that uh, we were actually coming to completion. We began this journey in April back in uh, 2011 and we had been round the landscape zodiac, the 12 sun signs um, in the first year when really we were just beginning to get a sense of it and getting an understanding of how it worked, the synchronicity that we were doing in the landscape and, and what it really all meant. With uh, our own inner journey, recognizing as we move through each of the sun signs, our own personal connection to that particular sun sign. Because although we have the, the sign that we were born in, we have the sun sign, we have the moon sign, we have the rising sign, but we actually have connection to every individual uh, sun, sun sign. And so we have work to do in each of them. So the second year around was very much to do with our the human aspect, the, the way in which we connect to the landscape and our own inner journey, our own shadow energy that needs to be worked with. And then the third year was very much about our connection to the land itself. And so our our connection into the landscape itself, and we had this beautiful for landscape in which we live in Victoria at that moment. And so it was a beautiful journey, actually, and then, and then a resident shaman who does the ceremonial work decided coming to the end of that way. We decided that this year and, and of, of that particular way of working with the landscape, not working with the landscape itself, of working with the landscape going around doing these monthly workshops so uh, i think what we are having some problems with with uh, the internet here so what i'm going to do is take us uh, to break early and then we will continue the show on the telephone which hopefully will be working uh, much more clearly now it's peter tongue with awakening to consciousness
0: Is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach
2: your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart centered community with Peter Tongue and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to myheartcenteredjourney.com for more information.
3: Are you dealing with a personal loss in your life? It can be just about anything, such as the loss of a partner through death or separation, something significant of value to you, the loss of a pet, Or maybe something is missing in your health or wealth. Tune in to Healing from Loss with Brenda B. Host Brenda Blindenbaugh and co-host Monique McDonald are here to help you transform the loss in your life from pain to joy and move forward. Listen live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program.
4: Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Apologies for uh, breaking up in that first segment. Obviously there's a lot of uh, interference on the uh, internet energy waves going on this morning so we've switched to telephone and hopefully that will be much clearer for you. Uh, Just a reminder to go to my website pititongue.com and uh, if you want to engage in the live meditations which we are doing every Thursday morning at uh, 11.30 Pacific then just go to pititongue.com and click on the uh, events page and you'll uh, be taken to the live meditations link and you can get those meditations Weekly, And the nice thing about those meditations is I do a little 15-minute or so introduction about what is taking place in the world of spirit from my perspective, the energies that are around, and the nice thing about it is it's right up to the date, it's right on that day, whatever is taking place at this time, and um, then we lead it into a meditation, and the whole um, event is probably just about an hour, just under an hour, and it's a great little opportunity to tune in regularly to get a sense of what's going on and to also have a nice uh, guided visualization meditation. For example, today we, May 21st, we're right on the cusp of the shift from Taurus to Gemini. Taurus is all about the physical embodiment. It's the, it's the bull, it's the energy connected to the earth. It's very uh, sensual, uh, sensitive, practical, down to earth. And at this time of year, when you've got May Day and Beltane, and you've got the, certainly uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, you've got this shift into absolute definite spring and early summer, and the blossoms are out and the trees are still green, and it's this very lush, um, plentiful sense of place. And then we shift into Gemini, which is the buzzing bees of the mind, and it's this shift from the physical body, up into the mind, and it's a great opportunity, a great time with the, merc- the Mercury energy of Gemini to bring everything that is swirling around into some conscious thought process or thinking process to create um, uh, an understanding of what is taking place in your world. The shadow side of that is the buzzing bees, where you get totally distracted and your mind gets st- scattered and you're thinking about. Uh, all all sorts of things and it becomes quite tumultuous and turbulent and so bringing that energy into focus in the mind and and also grounding it in the body becomes a very necessary part of the of the gemini the gemini journey so before the break i was just beginning to talk about the fact that we'd come to the realization that the journeys that we were doing in the landscape were coming to a natural completion Uh, at the end of our third year, moving around the landscape Zodiac effigies in March. And obviously those people who've been coming on these journeys regularly, there was some disappointment. There was also some understanding that we are just following the natural flow of life and being guided to to do what Spirit is calling us to do, and it was calling us to bring this journey to completion. And it finished beautifully because uh, in our Pisces, which was the last landscape Zodiac journey that we did, uh, Pisces is uh, is one of those signs that's very nebulous, very difficult to, to grasp and it's to do with the water sign of the ocean and in the two previous years, Zia had gone out into the ocean on her own to uh, drop some crystals out in the ocean to represent the Pisces energy and she felt very strongly that on this occasion we should all go out onto the ocean so fantastically and unbelievably we managed to hire a Zodiac boat, what is normally a whale-watching boat. So we actually went from a landscape Zodiac to a seascape Zodiac halfway through the day, and we'd done some beautiful work out in uh, the energy of the landscape in the morning to connect with Mother Earth and step into that oneness and that interconnectivity. Then the afternoon we went out on the, the seascape Zodiac boat to go and involve ourselves in ceremony, the whole group, um, probably about 16, 17 of us out on the ocean off the coastline where, where we feel that Pisces is somewhere between Aquarius, the previous sign, and Aries, the next sign to start the next sequence. So we felt this was a beautiful conclusion to our work in doing ceremony out in the ocean and dropping a ceremonial crystal, crystals in, connected to all of the sun signs as a sort of a completion in the ocean in that particular spot. And so that was a a beautiful conclusion to the journey of the 12 sun signs in the, the end of the third year. But then we also had the final ceremony in the hub of the Landscape Zodiac here in Victoria, right in the center, where we now bring all the energies of all the ceremonies together and we anchor it into the center of the Zodiac. Because we haven't finished working with the Zodiac, we will always work with the Landscape Zodiac of Victoria. But it was it was bringing it to conclusion in the form that we had created, and so now we anchored these energies in. And part of that intention was to ask the question: What is the next step? Where do we go next with this? What what is the development of this of this process? And a number of people were asking us: What is the next step? And we just said: We don't know. We don't know because we haven't yet completed. And once we're complete and finish this ceremony then we will get uh, insight into the next step. And, and when you follow spirit, one of the things that is important is to not push or force. You, you can't make spirit happen. You can't push it along. You have to align yourself with what spirit is calling you to do in your own inner work and also in the work of, on, on the bigger scale with the, with the landscape itself. And so we did that final ceremony without any idea at all of what was next to come and this is obviously uh, at the end of of the three-year journey in our own landscape, which is obviously a very powerful moment, and it was on the equinox, the spring equinox in March, which is a time of of, of endings and new beginnings. And and we're obviously very, very aware that we're coming to the end of the age of Pisces and moving into the age of Aquarius, where we have this shift from the, the Christ energy of sacrifice and martyrdom of the old way of being and shifting into this new realm, which is our, each individual person taking responsibility for themselves, and in doing so, become part of the collective awakening that is taking place on the planet, which in some ways is what this, uh, this uh, show today is about. It's about this recognition of where we are on this, on this bigger journey. Well, it didn't take long, once we'd completed that beautiful ceremony in the hub of our Landscape Zodiac, for us to get the insight of the next step. And as I'm sure you all know, there was this big energy building towards this grand cross, which was forming, already forming in March, but was coming to its absolute precise alignment um, in April. April 21st was the fifth of the exact Pluto-Uranus squares, and April the 23rd was when everything came into alignment into that grand cross Formation, And as all this was unfolding and developing, I was reminded of the show that I did with Peter Dawkins late last year. And Peter Dawkins is a wonderful mystic from England who understands the whole energy around the Shakespeare mystery school, as he would call it. All the Shakespeare plays and the tragedies and the comedies are actually within them a mystery school for us to, again, to unravel understanding of life and the human condition and that is a big piece of Peters work but another piece of Peters work is visioning the what he would call the global a divine design plan and that design plan involves three things that you will all know about one is the wheel of life which is connected to the landscape zodiac or the medicine wheel in the indigenous traditions the Kabbalah, or the tree of life, through the ten setter and the chakra system. And he believes that those three elements are the way in which creation brings into form through the uh, connection to the celestial realms and bringing them into physical form. So, at the end of that show, I had I had this new view of things, and Peter talked very specifically at that time. And I went onto his website about the whole North American landscape and how it connected with the European landscape. He basically said that Europe, Europa, represents the bull Taurus, and it's about setting a solid earthly foundation. And this goes back to the Renaissance of the 1600s when this first impulse of this shift into this new age began. And this was the beginning of the Renaissance man, as it, as it was called, and this stepping up to a higher vibrational frequency of awareness. And there was lots of shadow energy uh, trying to prevent that from happening, right, going right back to the 1300s, when you look at the Cathars and all the death and destruction that took place in that time period and the sacrifice and martyrdom that took place. We're going to come back to that uh, later later in the show. And so in that Renaissance period, we go through the Shakespearean uh, Mystery School in Europe, this solid, solid foundation being set for this future Renaissance to take place in North America through the shift in energy from the throat chakra, which is Taurus the bull, into the brow chakra, which is Aries the ram, which sits over North America. And part of this North American landscape The the divine principle on which this is created includes over the whole of North America a chakra system, a wheel of life, and a tree of life. And Peter has has envisioned within this structure the actual tree of life that fits over the whole of North America, which runs right from the southern tip of of the states and Mexico right through the states and up to Canada. And there are, three, there are three columns, if you imagine the Tree of Life, the central pillar, which runs up the center, uh, the, the western pillar, and, and the eastern pillar. And the east and the west are called the Pillars of Hercules, and they contain the Sephiroth. And uh, in Peter's uh, estimation, what he's basically saying is that the, the pillar on the western side runs up the Canadian Rockies and is the pillar of fire and it's the volcanic eruption energy of those rocky mountains that goes all the way up to Alaska and all the way down through the west coast of Canada and right down down through uh, Mount Shasta, the Grand Tetons, uh, right down in, in through New Mexico and, and into Mexico as this, uh, this, this pillar of fire. And then on the eastern side of, of the North America, we have this pillar of water which runs through the Great Lakes and down through the Mississippi Delta. And that the ancient indigenous peoples of North America have always known about this fire-water energy, these two columns, which need to be balanced. And the Iroquois indigenous peoples and the Hopi and the Navajo have always worked on the shamanic level to keep this water-fire balance within North America. And so what Peter was saying was this energy that, that is, that's always already been cooking, as it were, in, in Europe, to set this solid foundation now needed to move into North America to awaken this energy center in the brain structures, the brow chakra, the third eye, the visionary aspects of this. But for it to work, it needs to connect through our hearts as well. And when I looked at the Tree of Life that Peter had got imprinted over... North America, one of the key places in the whole landscape zodiac of North America was a place called Vallés Caldera, which is a massive super volcano just outside Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now this mountain it's very hard to believe this, but this mountain when it was complete before it blew was three times higher than Mount Everest. That makes it about 90,000 feet high, and it blew about a million years ago and left this massive, it's one of only seven supervolcanoes on the physical earth. The others are in the ocean, and it resides just outside Santa Fe, New Mexico, and this is like the hub, this massive central cauldron, the hub of this landscape zodiac over the whole of North America. And so when all the uh, excitement or the anticipation or the uh, anxiety around the Grand Cross alignment started building, it it came to me very, very clearly that one of our roles was to go down to that caldera, that cauldron, that massive hub within the whole landscape zodiac of North America to connect into it. And the vision that I was having was seeing the four planets of the Grand Cross sitting on the edge of the caldera. So if you imagine the caldera was like the, the medicine wheel or the landscape zodiac itself, and then sitting on the four cardinal positions, north, south, east, and west, were the four planets. And we knew that those planets were here to cause all sorts of chaos and disruption in people's lives. And so we thought our role was to go right to the center, in the center of the caldera, and to hold space and balance those, those four energies as, as we moved into that, that Grand Cross. And so that was, that was our, our plan, and so we made the decision to fly down to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and to connect into the Landscape Zodiac there. Now when I'd been talking with Peter Daw- Dawkins previously, he talked about Norma Tarango, who actually worked with the Landscape Zodiac in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I hadn't been able to connect with Norma previously, but fortunately, just before we left Victoria to fly down to Albuquerque, we made contact with Norma. And Norma and her close associate, Annie Rafter, who had worked with the Landscape Zodiac in Santa Fe, New Mexico, for five years, And when she heard what we were doing and why we were coming, she was absolutely ecstatic. And so we had this wonderful opportunity then for our Landscape Zodiac knowledge and connection with the Landscape Zodiac in Victoria to now merge and marry with those people who did the work with the Landscape Zodiac in New Mexico. And the way in which they work with the Landscape Zodiac there is slightly different than the way that we work with the one in Victoria. So we tend to work with... the the 12 sun sign effigies within the landscape and go to particular spots within the landscape structure uh, according to the month of the year that it's in. They have a full landscape zodiac uh, structure there with the 12 sun signs, but they actually work with the eight uh, cross-quarter days. So they work with the equinoxes and the solstices as the cross, and then the midpoints between Uh, what is called the cross-quarter days. So this would be uh, November the 1st, uh, February the 1st, May the 1st, and August the 1st, which correspond to the uh, traditions of the Druids, for example, in terms of the cross-quarter days and and the festivals that they celebrate through Imolc, um, Lug, uh, Beltane, and and, and so on. So we create this, eight-pointed star rather than a 12 sun sign effigy so we'll go to our, our next break now and, and when we return i'll i'll tell you about the journey that we went on and the significance of it and how it plays into what is taking place in the world today it's peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven. Spirit guides and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment: Advancing One's Wisdom every Tuesday at four PM Pacific Time, seven PM Eastern, on the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Do you want to reach
2: your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to myheartcenteredjourney.com for more information.
0: Be the Change, the 7th Wave Channel. On the Voice America Network, you're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program.
4: Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. Thank you for joining me today. Sherry Chase has been a wonderful uh, supporter of this show and continues to sponsor the show through Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada, and I'm indebted to her for her wonderful support, and also to Brandy Jackson and Matt, a regular engineer on this show, to provide me with the opportunity of bringing such wonderful guests to you, the listeners, so you can get a, a deeper and more profound understanding of what is taking place in the world of spirit on planet Earth uh, at this sacred time. And before the break, I was, I was explaining uh, about the journey to New Mexico and the Vallejo Caldera and this journey around the landscape do- zodiac there, the eight-pointed star. And so if you imagine, that there, there is this structure, and it's actually a 300-mile circumference around. It's not a small landscape zodiac and that there are eight points around that Norma Tarango and Rafter organize ceremonies every six weeks. So at that particular time, so what was approaching at that time was Beltane, was May 1st. So on the nearest Sunday to May 1st, they went into the landscape, which actually is the southeast uh, corner of the Landscape Zodiac, which is close to Santa Fe, to go and do ceremony in the landscape in that position at that time. So and, and then moving around the zodiac each six weeks to do the complete the eight-pointed star. And so we were fortunate enough to meet with Norma and Annie and, and they gave us the insights to the eight points around the circumference. And when we said uh, that we were going to go to all eight uh, spots in a counterclockwise direction, they were absolutely delighted. And so they got the maps out and showed us the, the points in the landscape that, that they go to. And they didn't want to be absolutely precise, so they showed us approximately where each point was because uh, they wanted us to intuit it for ourselves, to sense for ourselves that the spot that was the, the place where we were going to do our, our own ceremonies. And so one of the key elements in understanding this picture, this, this massive supervolcano in the center, with this eight-pointed star around it, and then going to these eight points to connect all the dots together for the landscape zodiac, is that when you go back to the whole of North America design, that Santa Fe in the Western Pillar, the three Sephiroth, all the, all the ten Sephiroth, are connected to the different planets. And so each of the three Sephiroth on the Western line going up the, the Rockies uh, have three points. And this is the Venus Gate. Uh, the next one up the line is the Jupiter Gate, which is uh, Manchester, And then the top of that pillar is the Neptune Gate, which is almost certainly going to be the ocean, Neptune, uh, around Vancouver Island at the top of that pillar. So we now realize through Norma's work that we were almost certainly linking in these three points on the Western Pillar, the fire energy linking in the Venus Gate in Santa Fe, the Jupiter Gate in Mount Shasta, and the Neptune Gate around Vancouver Island. So now this was all making even more sense, bigger sense, as we were now working with the western side of this whole North American landscape, Zodiac. And the Venus Gate, which is in Santa Fe, is entered symbolically and really through a lady of Guadalupe who stands outside the mission in Santa Fe. Santa Fe is the oldest capital city in, uh, in the United States. And here we have this absolutely beautiful statue with a mandala around it which invites you to step through that portal into the Venus Gate, which we did before we began the journey to connect with her, to connect with the sacred feminine, to connect with the energies of the land and to really get permission uh, to go on this journey but also have her accompany us. And it felt really good and and, uh, we felt we'd got the clear okay to go. And this was uh, early on Good Friday morning and... One of the things that happens in New Mexico on Easter is a pilgrimage to Shimea. Shimeo is considered to be the Lourdes of North America, and it is a, a small chapel where miraculous healings have taken place, but not through water as in Lourdes, but through the earth, through the red soil, through the fiery red soil. And people have rubbed this uh, soil on their bodies and had miraculous healings. Now, from my perspective, um, my guess is, and I didn't get the opportunity to, to do this or measure this, and, and it wasn't appropriate because it was Easter and this was a sacred time, but I would be very confident that that red soil contains radioactive elements, which are the actual healing, natural healing energies within that red soil. And at some point at an appropriate time, it would be great to be able to check that out with a, with a Geiger cancer. But my sense is this whole area, which is very volcanic, obviously, contains some of the heavier elements that, that, that have radioactivity in them, as it also does in the waters of the healing uh, hot springs, which also are uh, prevalent in the area. And so on Good Fridays, we're driving to the East Gate. We see all of the pilgrims walking along the, the highway on their intentional journey to go to Shimeo and, and connect from, through their hearts with the, the heart of, of Christ on the, on the sacrificial day of Friday and over the Easter weekend into the resurrection. So we were reminded that not only were we going on this sacred journey for the Grand Cross alignment, this was also the time of Easter, the time of sacrifice, the time of putting ourselves second and putting our journey into spirit first, and that part of this journey was the resurrection that took place on on Easter Sunday to come. So we continued on our journey uh, through beautiful... uh, Oh, Caliente Hot Springs in the northeast gate and then up to Ghost Ranch in the north and Ghost Ranch is where Georgia O'Keeffe did much of her painting and was inspired by the red rock and the, the rock around Ghost Ranch in the northern gate is very much like uh, the red rock of Sedona, very very similar to look at and very similar energetically and above the Ghost Ranch uh, is a chimney rock and this chimney rock has got like two fingers pointing up into the the sky. And in Peter Dawkins' research, he said that those fingers are actually the fingers of God pointing down from Orion's belt into the landscape, into that northern uh, entry point into the landscape zodiac, and and it certainly felt that this was a a very special place. We then took a a side trip on Easter Monday uh, in the northwest position, but going outside the zodiac to go to Chaco Canyon, And why this was really significant was this particular day was the day that the Pluto-Uranus square was precise. And why it was significant was Chaco Canyon was built uh, in the 1100s by the Pueblo people, the Chacoan people of that time. And the Pueblos were built and designed very, very specifically to uh, correspond to the... um, alignments of the sun and the moon, um, specifically on the equinoxes and the solstices. And the buildings were aligned absolutely precisely and perfectly. And so there was this incredible opportunity to connect energetically to this alignment. And the most significant building in the Pueblos there is called Pueblo Benito, and it's in the shape of a half moon. It's like a a perfect D, and the one wall aligns to the absolute perfect east-west direction, and the corner of that wall is lined up exactly with the north-south direction. So as we stood at that corner, we felt very strongly uh, this connection of this square alignment with the Uranus-Pluto square. Now, the reason that the... Um, Chuck Owens did this was to show Great Spirit, show Creator. There were people on the earth who understood the need for us to create some sort of human design to mirror the celestial realms, to mirror the heavens. In other words, to deliberately and intentionally anchor into the earth plane. The celestial realms in a way that fitted with the creator's design in other words they were aligning themselves very specifically with creator and the belief was that when you did that that would create the opportunity for you to create a heaven on earth to bring the heavenly energies down to the earth and so we were very aware of, of our role then of holding that space and in Chaco Canyon At that time, the Chacoans built this road called the Great North Road, and it was a a cobblestone stone road that that ran absolutely precisely south to north uh, over whatever was in its way. It was a dead straight line that they followed a certain width down through valleys, up over hills, over mesas, over mountains, and this road didn't lead anywhere. I mean, clearly it clearly was a symbolic road. but it was so important to them that they spent so much time building this. But it was a symbolic road to the afterlife. And we had the opportunity to climb up onto a mesa and walk along the top so we could look back down into Pueblo Benito. And at one point, we came into alignment with what is called the South Gap, which was on the other side of the canyon. So we were on the northern rim of the canyon. And when we reached that point... This is the way many of the pilgrims entered into Chaco Canyon on their way to ceremony. And when we were standing there, we could actually feel this flow of energy from the south to the north. And so obviously they created a system which assisted people to go on their journey to the afterlife. The life to come after this one was very important to the indigenous peoples, and still is. If you look at the, all the Egyptian dispensation, there was almost an obsession with the afterlife, what came next. And so this is obviously part of the tradition that created this, this incredible energy. So it was a really important little side trip that we took on that day on the, on the 21st. And then we moved down into the, through the West Gate, and then down into the into the southwest. And the southwest gate is a place called Hemes Springs, which has this uh, beautiful energy with the number of uh, hot springs, some of which are natural just coming out of the ground, some of which have been commercialized and and, and are commercial pools that you can go in. But the energy, clearly Mother Earth, is bringing her beautiful healing energies out to the surface for our benefit. And it was a beautiful uh, journey in the southwest which took us in this very narrow road through these narrow tunnels, carved out of the rock to a beautiful spot which we felt very much deep in the heart of the mother, in the mother's womb. Uh, And that was our our last stopping point to complete our full circle as we had gone around the the landscape zodiac of North New Mexico. Now, because of our commitment and because of the journey that we were on and the importance of the Grand Cross, uh, Norma and Annie decided they would come and join us for ceremony right in the center in the caldera after we had completed our 300-mile circumference. So now we moved into the center to meet up with, with uh, the group from New Mexico to assist us uh, in this ceremony. And in fact, what took place was that four of their members came uh, to join with the two of us so that we could come together in ceremony, linking together the energies at the top of the pillar and the bottom of the pillar on this uh, beautiful journey through the Venus Gate, the Jupiter Gate and the Neptune Gate connecting all of the dots of this particular aspect of the work. So now we go to the center of the caldera and I'll tell you uh, what we uh, envisioned and felt around that when we return in a moment, it's Home. we're awakening to conscious co-creation.
0: The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do
2: you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart centered community with Peter Tongue and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to myheartcenteredjourney.com for more information.
3: When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be
0: Visionary This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program.
4: Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining me today and uh, before the break I was just talking about the journey that we went on and through the Landscape Zodiac down in New Mexico, and now we're approaching the Grand Cross, and there's been a a lot of uh, anticipation about what this was, and just before we we left Victoria, Zia had had this uh, meditation, this insight, this awareness that related to one of my devoted listeners, Stafford Lindsay, and way back in 2012, just before the first... Uranus-Pluto square happened, he sent me an email to say that he had this strong sense that the seven Uranus-Pluto squares that were coming between 2012 and 2015 were related to a revelation, the revelation of John in the Bible, and the seven seals breaking open. And uh, each one of those seven seals relating to a chakra in the, in the body and that these seven seals were the opening of the seven seals in John's Revelation. Well, just before we left uh, Victoria to go on this journey, Zia had this insight uh, that the four planets sitting in this grand cross were actually the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, she didn't even know the details of the four horsemen, but, but she just had this very, very clear vision. And so when she looked them up, the, the first... So this is the first four seals of the seven opening. And the the grand cross alignment was including the fifth one. So the first one was the, the white horse and its role in coming into the seal being opening was conquest. And as we're thinking about the transmutation or transformation of these energies, the opposite of conquest is freedom. And that relates very much to the position on the Grand Cross of Uranus uh, in Aries. The second horseman is the red horse, which, of course, is of war. And, of course, the transmuted energy of war is peace. And that would represent the energy of Mars in Libra. The third horse is the black horse of famine. And, of course, the opposite of famine, or transmuting it, famine, is into abundance and prosperity. And that would relate to Jupiter and Cancer. And the final horse is the pale horse, which is the horse of death. And of course, the transmutation or the transformation of death is into rebirth. And that's very much the Pluto in Capricorn energy. And of course, this is all happening in the year of the horse. And so it, it seemed to be absolutely precisely spot on that these four positioned Uh, planets and the four horsemen were holding this energy this space for this massive transformation to take place so then I thought well the fifth uh, Uranus Pluto square is to do with the last judgment and it's to do with the martyrs, there's no horse involved, it's to do with the martyrs hiding under the altar waiting for John to come and release them in the moment of judgment day, of the last judgment and for me, martyrdom relates to the age of Pisces, where people died for a cause which they believed in, which was outside of themselves. And so for me, the transformation and transmutation involving that is personal sovereignty. And I did a show which we pre-recorded which actually aired on that day, the 23rd of April, because it was Wednesday, one of my shows, um, and that was with uh, Kelly Lashar and Perry Mills, and the title of the show that they chose was Our Road to Personal Sovereignty. And so I realized that clearly there was something going on here of a, of a greater uh, perspective. And so this is about the shift in, in us as human beings from this martyrdom, or even you might consider that victimhood into our personal sovereignty and freedom. And this is what this energy was about. And when people had reflected upon what was taking place for them in their lives at that point, it felt as if they were either being pulled apart in four directions, or that they were being compressed or squeezed into the center. And the four different elements, the four horsemen or the four planets, represented the four aspects of our lives. Uranus in Aries, our own personal life, our own personal freedom. Jupiter in Cancer, about the family, the tribe, and the pull from the family uh, uh, responsibilities and connections, the home. Uh, uh, Mars in Libra, the male-female relationship, our one-on-one interpersonal relationships with all of that one-on-one partnerships, whatever they are. Uh, in our world, and then Pluto in Capricorn very much to do with our career and our ambitions in life, beyond the family, beyond the relationship, in our, in, our, in our life's purpose, our life's work. So these four were all standing in exact, precise 90-degree angles to each other, creating this challenge, this squaring off between them. And so this was the key moment for this to take place. Oh, being very graphic, it was almost like you were being squeezed like a pimple uh, to pop out of the top to shift up into a higher vibrational frequency and see what this was really all about. But for many, it was a bit of a rocky road. And so for me, the sense was for us to hold this space, this balance in the center of the caldera. And caldera means cauldron, and it is like the alchemical cauldron burning away, burning up all the dross, releasing all the all the stuff. That we need to let go of and that's where we were right down holding ceremony through our energies with the crystals that we work with all the time connecting to mother earth connecting to father sky offering ourselves as balance points within this massive caldera and when you're in that situation you tend to your ego tends to want you to have some amazing experience which generally doesn't happen. What we did have was these really fascinating energy clouds, seven of them that moved in and, and held space and watched over us during the ceremony. But what, what happens, I've, I've found over the years, is that when you come back from these occasions, you start processing the information, you start processing what's taken place. And for me, uh, this beautiful gift came up called Richard Rudd. And Richard Rudd did the first radio show I did after we came back on April the 30th. Um, and since that time, I've been working with the Gene Keys. Genekeys.com is his website. And it's this phenomenal journey, a 33-step journey called the Golden Path through all of the aspects of you that need to be understood and cleared before you can fully step onto your illumined path. And that is what is taking place as I'm working through the Gene Keys and I'm working through uh, my t- personal profile and the, and the golden path and the gene keys, it's demonstrating to me all of the aspects of me that I need to work with through the shadow side, into the gift and into the uh, the essence, the divine essence or the illumination. So if you haven't looked into that show, I would, I would urge you to listen and also really seriously consider connecting to that work because we are in this time now, uh, I'm realizing, of oh, doing our own inner personal work, doing our own inner journey, which then reflects out into the world. And Mother Earth is going through this as well. And that's why this connection between sacred ceremony and the Earth and the Spirit and our, ourselves as individuals and ourselves as a collective is so is so critical at this time. And it is moving ahead absolutely beautifully. And so for any of you who are struggling, uh, take... Take the opportunity to listen to this show and know that all is well, that everything is moving forward exactly as it's supposed to. Just jump on this beautiful ride that's, uh, that's a bit bumpy at times, but overall it's a fantastic journey. Well, the show has sped by very quickly, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And Please feel free to send me an email at descendingdub at gmail.com or go to my website, www.petertongue.com. My guest next week is Philip Camella and he's going to be talking about the collapse. The, sorry, the collapse of materialism. Uh, again, it's a life's work of ten years' work he's put into this book, and so I really hope that you will join us. Visions of science and dreams of God. Have a wonderful week, Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.